question. What is the deepest desire of your heart? What is that thing that deep down you, you desire above other things? That you desire and, and it comes back time and time and time again. The year was 1971. I was nine years old. And the only bike to have was a Schwinn Candy Apple Red Apple Crate bike. It had this cool white banana seat. It had these chrome handlebars that curled over. It had chrome rims and it had a five-speed shifter. You know, the, the, the knob, the pearl knob that had the numbers. One, two, three, four, five. If you had that bike, you were the man. I wanted that bike so bad. I desired that bike. But my birthday came and Christmas came and I didn't get that bike. In fact, there was never a day that came that I got that bike. I rode a hand-me-down, old, ugly, yellow bike from three older brothers. Now, you can imagine the condition of that bike, right? And, and you can imagine that you continually had to be working on it to be able to ride it. It was so bad and beat up and old, right? Well, don't feel too bad for me, okay, that I never got my bike, because about five or six years later, the desire of my heart began to change. And I no longer wanted a bike. I wanted a car. A car that would give me freedom. It would take me where I wanted to go, here, there, and everywhere. You see, as I think about that, I look at our heart's desire from the world's perspective. And... And it seems to be always changing. It seems to be always transitioning that my desire today is this. My desire next month or next year is something else. And, and that deep desire seems to always be changing. If I look back over life, the deepest desires of our heart change from time to time in a world standards. But as I look into God's Word, there are certain desires that we should have in our hearts that never change. Romans chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in the very first verse, and listen to what the author of Romans says as he writes. Brethren, my heart's desire, here it is, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The author of Romans writes, and he says... The desire of my heart is for salvation. Not just for myself, but for others. And he was speaking specifically of the nation of Israel. 
the desire of his heart and the prayers that I offer to the Father is for their salvation, for someone else to be saved, for someone else to come to know the Lord. Let's, let's take a, a look at how Paul expressed his heart's desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without law, the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all means I may save, we may save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Listen to what he says. Paul writes, and he said, The desire of my heart is salvation. And then he began to talk about changing. As we talked about when we began, about the desire of our hearts changing. And here's what I want you to know. The desire of his heart never changed. The desire of his heart was always salvation. How he approached it changed. He said, To the Jews, I became as a Jew. To those who were under the law, I became like I was under the law. To those who were under the law, I became as though I wasn't under the law. To the weak, I became weak. He said, I became all things to all men. The desire was still salvation. He says, I became all things to all men so that we might win some. The desire was still for salvation. While there was changing that was taking place, and to some people this way, and to some people that way, he said, the basic desire never changed. The desire was always that there would be salvation for those who needed salvation. That, that those who needed to be saved would be saved. So I want us to look at four things this morning that need to help us in understanding the desires of our heart. Because listen, when, when we approach prayer time, as Don's been talking about and we've been promoting and, and September the 26th being a national day of prayer. When we come to pray, we need to pray from the desires of our heart. We need to pray from the genuine depth inside of us. Desire for what we seek for God to do in our lives, in the life of the church, in the life of our family, in the life of our, our community, in the life of our state, in the life of our nation. We need to pray for those things from the desire of our heart. So, so we need to define... What is the desire of my heart? Where is that desire within me? And so the first thing I want to see this, his desire grew out, grew out of the grace of God. His desire grew out of the grace of God. Romans chapter 1, backing up a little bit from, from Romans chapter 10, verses 15 through 17, listen to what he says. So, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul says, my desire is to share the gospel because the gospel is the means of salvation. 
My desire is, is for others to hear it, and it comes out of the gratitude for the salvation that I've received. It, it comes out of, of my appreciation for what God has done for me in my life and how He changed it. Notice what He said, I'm eager to preach. Eager. That word means a, a longing desire, a, a, an undergirded motivation. I am eager to preach. What is He eager to preach? The gospel. He's eager to, eager to share with people the message of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. His heart's desire is what? Salvation. And so he is eager to preach the message that brings salvation to all men. He says that he is not ashamed of the gospel. He was very bold in his presentation of the gospel. And never did he shrink back or, or feel inferior or, or subservient to some other message but that he was not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of salvation. Because it is the ability of the gospel message, not Paul himself, but the gospel message to bring salvation to those who are in need and those who are lost. And it is the revelation of God's righteousness that leads to what did he say? Steadfast faith. A faith that sees us through in the difficult times. And Paul understood that. At one point, Paul said, listen, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be in want. I, I know what it is to be in every circumstance of life and yet live by faith. And so what he wants us to understand is, is that he is motivated, his heart's desire is motivated out of the grace of God. That God has saved him, and because he has saved him, he desires for others to experience the same salvation. And so he wants to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. His desire grew out of a recognition of the needs of others. Others needing salvation, as he needed salvation, and he recognized that. He realized, I needed salvation. He didn't think he did. And we go back and look at Paul, we begin to recognize and understand that at one point, uh, Paul grossly and, and greatly opposed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he believed that his obedience to the law was his salvation, and he didn't think he needed saving. He thought he was uh, among all men that he was the most obedient to the law and the commandments of God. And so he found himself, his salvation, in his own righteousness. And yet he's come to understand that he, he was not saved and he needed saving. And that just as he needed saving, others need saving as well. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what he says. I'm telling the truth in Christ. Now, anytime someone says to you, I'm telling the truth, it makes me a little bit concerned. Because it makes me wonder, well, are there times you're not telling me the truth? Okay, I'm telling the truth. Okay, well, is there a time you're not? But Paul says, I'm telling the truth. That's what he says, in Christ. This is, this is the truth that comes from Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. Listen to what he says. I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ, for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul says, I, I am full of sorrow. I am full of grief because I know who people who are lost. 
I am full of sorrow. I am full of grief because I know, remember, he's talking about the Israelite nation. I know people who are still living in their self-righteousness. I know people who still think that they're okay and everything's alright and they're living the way that they should and they have no relationship with Jesus Christ who is the only Savior. And he says, because I know that they don't have that relationship, because I know that they're living in a lost state, even though they think that they're saved. Sound familiar? A lot of people like that in our world today. They're, They're playing at the game of church. And they go to church... And they talk about believing in God, but their life and their lifestyle is, isn't in the same, it doesn't relate. And so they think they're saved, they think they're okay, they think everything's alright, but they're not living according to the truths of God's Word, and they have not received the salvation that Jesus Christ offers. And he said, I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, because I know people who are lost. And I know they need the salvation and the grace that I receive from God in their own life. Let me ask you this morning. Do you know someone who's lost? Do you know someone who's living without the grace of God? Someone who's never named the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior, repented of their sins, confessed those sins, repented of those sins. They've never been obedient in in the baptism Washing away of the old self and rising to the resurrection of a new self. Someone who, who you know that you love and you care about and, and they don't know the Lord as their Savior. If you know that person, let me ask you this. Do you have sorrow and grief for them? Is your heart heavy because you know someone who doesn't know the Lord? Because you know someone that you care about who, who, who doesn't have a relationship with the Savior of the universe. If, it's, if your heart is not, we're missing the mark. If you don't have grief and sorrow, if your heart's not heavy for people that you know and you care about who are lost, then we're not where we need to be with our heart's desire. Because Paul says, man, I, I have grief. My, my heart is full of sorrow because I know that they need the grace that God has given me, and they haven't received it. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was not a demonstration, this was not to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Talking about the Passover. And he says, listen, everybody has sinned. Everybody falls short of the glory of God, and everybody needs salvation. If you are saved, is there someone that you know that is not that is a burden on your heart, brings grief to your life, and sorrow to you because they do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then, then we need to get busy about sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We need to get busy about loving people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So he says this, his desire helped him to determine the priorities of his life. So, so that desire, that deep desire for salvation for himself and for others determined what was important in his life. 
determined the direction that he would take and the things that he would do. Philippians 3, listen to what he says. This is a powerful statement. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do. See that priority? That putting things in order the way that they should be? One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, we could spend all day. I won't. Don't panic. Okay? But we could spend all day talking about what it means to forget what lies behind. Because here's what happened. Sometimes... We have sin in our past. We have mistakes in our past. We have things that we, we have done that we know were wrong and, and we would be embarrassed of to talk in front of others about or, or for others to know about. And, and so sometimes we can't let go of that past. We keep living or reliving that sin or, or that failure or that mistake or that shortcoming in our life and, and Satan keeps pulling us back because we keep living in the past of, of God could never forgive me, God could never use me, God could never bless me because of all of these things that are in my past. And so we keep living or hanging on to the past. The other side of that is, is that there are those folks who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They've received His forgiveness and the blessing of His life. They've been filled with the Spirit of God. And they have His Word to guide them and lead them. And they rest in their past. Man, I used to teach Sunday school for 20 years at somebody else's turn. I used to do this in the church. And I used to do that in the church. Man, I can tell you about people that I've led to the Lord. Now, that was 15, 20 years ago. But I can tell you about people that God used me to influence their life for them to come to know Jesus. And so they live in the past of the glory. They live in the past of the good things they've done in the past or the service to God they provide in the past and, and they're never ready to move into the future. And Paul writes and he says, listen, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, it's behind us. It's over. We, we can't go back. And so what we have to do is what? He says, I reach forward to what lies ahead. What's in the future for us? What what does God have in store for tomorrow and next week and next month and next year? What, what, What does He have in store for us if we'll serve Him and be faithful to Him? If we'll have a heart's desire for salvation for others, knowing that they need that salvation. What can God do through us and through our lives and through the ministry of this church and this community? He said, look back and let go. He looked back and said, that's the past. Because let's face it, his past was pretty bad, right? If you think about it, in relationship to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, he was responsible for for fighting against the gospel message vigorously. And yet at a point of conversion, he said, that's my past. Yes, I spoke against Jesus Christ. I spoke against He being the Savior of the world. I was opposed to that violently. But once salvation came, the past is the past. And I'm prepared to move to the future And to reach ahead for what lies ahead. Can you imagine if today, at my age, my heart's desire was still that Apple Crate bike? (laughs) That'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? If I just kept living in the past. If I kept looking back on, man, that bike. That bike. Never wanted anything. Never had desire for anything. He says, listen, forget what's behind And press on to what lies ahead. What God has in store for the future. His desire led him to self-evaluation and a renewed dedication. 
This is the final thing this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 again. Listen. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as to not beating the air. But I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He said, what we need to do is evaluate where we are. Let's look at our life. And he says, I want to run the race in such a way that I can win. And, And in winning, he said, I win something that is more valuable than anything I could ever win in this world. It's eternity, it's salvation, it's a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, that's, that's what I run for. That's what I fight for. That's what my heart's desire is for. And so he says, I, I evaluate where I am, where my heart is, where my desires are. And evaluating that, it leads me to a deeper dedication, a stronger faith and commitment to reaching those who are lost with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so, our heart's desire should be to please God and to help others. Our heart's desire should be to the glory of God and to the good of others. Our heart's desire should be that desire which God instills within us to know Him and to help others to know Him as well. And so I ask you, where we began this morning to end this morning, what is your heart's desire? What is the deepest, strongest, most overwhelming desire of your heart? And as you evaluate that, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And it's a time for us to make decisions about our life. Where am I in my relationship with the Lord? Where am I? in regards to my desire for others to know the Lord that I know, to experience the grace that I've experienced. God, where's my heart? Where's my heart's desire? And if it needs to be changed, help me to change it. If it needs to be stronger and deeper, help me to make it stronger and deeper. God, I desire to do what you desire for me to do. If there's a decision on your heart this morning, won't you come as we stand and we sing?